passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Rewind the dynamite from the most recent sight. A-W, lighting up the fuse. Sit back and enjoy the bubbly. As we hear from John and Waiting. Where we're going, we don't need roads. And if the bug stops here, this thing might blow. Everything you hear, opinions of the show. And if you don't like it, go to the forums and let them know. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Rewind to Dynamite. I'm John Pollock here alongside Wei Ting following tonight's episode of Dynamite. Was tonight Dynamite? Mm. Well, what is Dynamite? An explosion? The last two weeks for this company. I guess we'll find out tomorrow at 4.30 if it's Dynamite or not. I don't think... Or if it's di- just I don't... like a, a, a nice campfire. Well, I don't think Dynamite is always necessarily supposed to be a good thing. Certainly, if in real life, if you're next to a di- dynamite explosion without proper protection, that's not a good thing at all. It's very loud. Um, could hurt. Well, they do this weekly. Uh, so what? I'm prepared. This is this is weekly dynamite. Okay. Well, if you're saying if it, if it felt like an explosion of of action and uh, crazy stories and uh, pr- professional wrestling excitement. I, I would say the pace of the show, yeah, it's, it's very much like an explosion. It's very fast. Well, I, I think everyone will be drawn to Thursday's number because I think it'll be very indicative of just the momentum that the company is riding. Like, so often, people will associate a number with the quality of a show, but more often, it's more so reflective of what the overall feeling is of 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 a company at a, at a point. And if something is hot, it may not be felt until the, the following week or so. Uh, whereas, you know, we we can look at what we're going to get into raw from Monday night. I think that was kind of the culmination of an overall attitude towards raw. And it kind of just hit a low point on, on Monday, uh, regardless of what was on there on Monday. Sure. Uh, but certainly I think the effort that they put out on Monday didn't help things. You know, the the like we've seen what makes differences for them, at least, you know, on a singular, like, I don't know, one time basis from time to time. And that's announcing something large. No real attempt was made on, on Monday to do that at all. Well, let's get into the raw number off the top, because that is uh, the well, one of the big stories this week, a all time low figure uh, for raw for as long as we have data for raw. A million five hundred and twenty-seven thousand viewers, a point four one in the eighteen to forty-nine demo. So to compare that to the previous week, they were down twelve percent in overall viewership, which still was sixth for the night on cable. Down almost twenty percent in their demo. They fell from a point five one to a point four one in a week. Uh, that was rather staggering. 
other th- their male audience was down significantly. Males 18 to 49 dropped 31% this week. Men 12 to 34 down 25% and their adult 18 to 34 audience down 29% this week. What happened to Raw this week that saw these numbers fall off a cliff from the week before? I think like you said it's just a real general just uh, I don't know just bored boredom of of what what the that product has been offering lately you know and the fact that this number took place within days of AEW receiving their best of the year and one of their best period uh certainly makes for really interesting headlines uh that converse it's so funny cuz like somebody on ask away this week which we recorded on th- Tuesday afternoon, they asked us, do you think in 2021 uh, AEW will overtake Raw in the Prime demo? And like our answer was like, uh, no, they, they, they said they said viewers, if you go back to, to, to that. But we were noting like the, the demo, I, I said that it was, it's, you know, the, it's much it closer demos than was the question. Well, it was nonetheless. Yes. This, this week, AEW, if you're looking at last Wednesday show, they beat Raw in the 18 to 49 and 18 to 34 demos, as well as 25 to 54 year old adults uh, as well. They edged past them like this is granted. This was a very high point for AEW last week and a, the lowest point for raw, but that is a, a staggering number. And, and it's to indicative me, of the playing field and it's indicative of, of perhaps the trends that, that are at play here. I thought one of the more alarming numbers, like, yes, they did their lowest hour ever uh, in the third hour. But to me, that first hour was just as terrible. A million six hundred and twenty seven thousand viewers. That was their second lowest first hour ever. And that tells me there were probably a lot of people like me who tuned into Raw, saw that image and they just had to hit pause and did not want to continue forward with that. Like this was not eroding an audience that existed. If you look at throughout the night, um, it's not like this, the audience fell, but not so dramatically. Like there was just not interest from the beginning of this show. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, It's, I, what can we say that we don't usually say on a Monday about the quality of show? Um, what is what is the response? I guess is the question. They will they will not be lower than this Monday. They are coming off a pay per view next week. Uh, it was a big football game, but that to me does not explain all of this. They have gone against bigger football games this season. Uh, they went against a bigger football game last week uh, that had uh, combined viewership on two networks. So I, I don't just look at the football. That to me is a very you're obfuscating the larger issue if you're just looking for an excuse of why it's down. There is an overall problem that this show is losing audience, their competitor is gaining audience, and I think that, you know, enormous changes need to be made, but this is a company that looks for immediate change uh, and the brand split. Bring back a, a, a McMahon. Do a title match on TV. Little things to, that will spark a couple week uh, erosion, and then we're back to this several months later. They're able to stop the bleeding, but not assess the wound. So you know, if the question is what action they take following this, I mean, they they've been bleeding for a very long time, and the time to to have you know go to some emergency remedy like would have been at this point, like a year plus years ago 
we've seen those attempts and like you've said they've been band-aid solutions at best um and i don't really see things being all that different here like they it's not like they've they've not tried until this point they have tried but their their attempts to try have just been either you know either very short-lived or just you know ultimately result in the same type of quality of show or worse uh up until this point things that just don't last i think that this is one where um I, th- I think Monday show becomes that much more important in terms of just any – if we just watch a run-of-the-mill Raw episode on, on Monday, I, I think that that's going to be very deflating for people. But again, if you're just looking for quick fixes, um, I, I don't think that's the answer. I don't think that is ultimately going to curb this. This is something where I feel you need a significant long-term plan, uh, and you have a person that is running this company that does not – have a ton of patience when it comes to long-term plans and can blow things up. He is very in the moment and looking to the next Monday that I think it becomes very difficult for that writing staff to even be able to hatch it together a six or 12 month plan because there's no faith that could be executed that by week four of a six month plan, it's thrown out the window. It's not catching on. We have to do something immediate. And that's I mean, that's just a broken record, I think, in the company of so many performers that I don't think are are utilized effectively. We do not have stars on this show, save for maybe two that we, we can argue that are actual stars on these shows. And it just, to me, is indicative of, a sh- of a, an environment where its audience has grown very tiresome. They have watched out of habit. And now there's some exciting stuff happening elsewhere and people are getting their fix elsewhere. And it doesn't have to be Monday night being their wrestling night. If this is a permanent shift of audience moving over to Wednesday nights, even if Dynamite is not going to stay at what they did last week, um, just eking away at that audience. Like there is momentum going in one direction for AEW and momentum going in the opposite direction for Raw. And that's that's been evident. And I think it's just going a lot faster than people thought. Oh, I don't think any of us expected to have like this conversation, like pretty much a little over a year into AEW's like Dynamite's existence. That's that's insane to me, and I think continues to be you know one of the big biggest stories, at least as it relates to actual you know wrestling business um, of the past year. But you know, as far as like what changes the company needs to make, we it feels like we have one of these conversations every time they hit another low. And it's going to take a major philosophical, like systematic change for this company to finally actually do do something that lasts. In my opinion, it's not going to be bringing back the old guard and like a Bruce Pritchard who really is just there to kind of you know execute Vince McMahon's whims anyway. Um, short of like completely gutting you know that just how they do things in general, I don't know if I really see an end to to this trend. Yeah, it's it's one that I, I don't think you can solve in a in a podcast. It's not one that you can just solve with like here are your five easy steps. It to me, number one is 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 patience. And it's something that I don't think you have seen exhibited. Um in like there is kind of an understanding. And I mean, Paul Heyman has talked about this in the past of if you want to get to this level, you've got to be able to have that patience to sit back for a year. For a year, it's going to take you to get to this level. And you can you can invest all of that patience in a year, and there's no promise that you will get to that level. It could be a year that you sacrifice your numbers to build, and it still doesn't work. It's still 
a crapshoot uh, with, with all of this. So that's the game you're playing. But I think you're looking at, um, you know, the the alternative now of structured storytelling, having, you know, a, a genuine alternative that you see on, on Wednesday nights and a different way of presenting television. And it seems that it's been something where they have spent their time building that foundation. And now they have they're going out of their comfort zone to get that buzz factor that's drawing people in. And I think it's still too early to tell if ultimately those those newer fans or lapsed fans are going to stick around uh, or if they were just checking in and things will kind of level out for AEW. But last week was certainly a sign that these people were coming back uh, for the for the novelty of Sting, for whatever else is going on on the show. Like if they are invested in that whole show and it took Sting to gain their interest to check this program out and they liked what they're seeing – well, that, that's what you strive for. That's why you do things like you bring in a sting to hopefully bring in new eyeballs that are going to fall in love with your product. Sure, yeah. And, and really, it's it's obviously, it's not just bringing in sting. Um, like WWE can bring in sting and I, it'll make a difference. I just don't don't know if like that same excitement will, 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 will be the, like, will be the same. It's, anyway, it's. Um, no, it's it's a perfect comparison because if you if the tables were turned and Sting showed up on Raw next Monday and there was some big buzz, oh my God, Sting's back and he shoots an angle with someone. If people, if, if say three hundred thousand people tune in that have not been watching Raw, they've given up on it, and Sting's on Monday show, but the rest of that show is what you've got. Well, Sting is not going to be enough. That's going to curb my interest to dedicate three hours to on monday like sting is what is there in the storefront window that gets me in but if there's not no product i want to buy in this store then that's great the display was really nice but i'm not interested in spending my time or my money here Mm -hmm. i mean in the end for me i just i just asked for a good wrestling tv show um i don't even know if it needs to be all that complicated like and and to do it in three hours is is a really tough task every single week um so i don't even know what the answer to that is you know how can somebody even if they were really trying really hard make a consistent three-hour show that's good every single week that's tough but giving at least two of those three hours you know worth watching i think yeah i think you certainly are looking at a much uh, tougher task with the fatigue factor of monday night's I think short term, you can certainly look at the fact they are they are coming off a pay-per-view Monday. That typically gives them something. Uh, and Monday Night Football will be coming to an end. But again, I, I would not be resting my laurels on that. I think that those are all small little factors that fall into your favor, but they don't address the, the, the larger issues of the, the trend of where a lot of these numbers are going. And when you look uh, a year ago, 18 months ago, where that audience has gone, like that's when it gets staggering. We're not comparing to uh, a different era of television. We're not even going back three or four years. We're going back six months, 12 months, 18 months, and looking at the trend of where these, especially younger audiences have gone. And it's it's a pretty stark reminder um, w- once we hit like a factor like this where you're hitting a, a, a 4-1 in your demo. How much time do we have until those contracts are, you know, at least up for negotiation, you think? Um, the the WWE deals are up in uh, fall of 2024. Mm-hmm. So that would mean the negotiations would probably be starting like early 2023 is probably when you're starting to have those meaningful talks. It was about a year and a half out 
from their previous deals being up when they announced going to Fox and the new deal with USA. So still a lot of time to yes. really turn the ship around. But I mean, a year goes by like just like that. And can they do that? Can they turn turn things around? And they and they've got a genius with them in Nick Khan. Like that is a huge name that they have that's going to be out there on the front lines negotiating these negotiator deals. but are we ultimately yeah maybe, maybe this is the product he has to sell though and that's going to be um his task and there's two ways that the market can read this either aew like let's let's believe that you know if if you were if we were talking about negotiations happening now are you viewing aew as this property that is greatly under um, underfinanced given what it's doing in comparison to raw or is it going to be believed that raw is significantly overvalued that their price would come down i think mm-hmm. most believe that wwe will still somehow get a renewal at or above what they're making now uh, but if that's the case i mean aew would be in for a, an enormous um increase i would think if these trends continue agreed yeah i think it's more so the latter um, I think right now AEW to me seems like it's an undervalued company, but in two years' time, um, I wonder what the landscape will even be like. It's impossible to predict, um, but but today, I mean, it's certainly if you're if you're putting any kind of um, forecast down, like AEW is going in in one direction. I think that would be the one where, man, we are we are not going to hit raw in total viewers, but. The audience that we are making up of of younger viewers, I mean, for what we're paying in comparison, I mean, TNT feel like geniuses for getting this renewal when they did in January, locking them in long term to to those four years. Like for the for the next four years, they're going to have them like this is 45 million a year. This is a very like to me healthy investment by TNT for how they are performing on Wednesdays. And they got a second or uh, third hour coming. So Correct. we shall see how that performs, too. Uh, Tuesday night, uh, we're going to stick on uh, some ratings notes here because we had uh, week two of the Kenny Omega experiment on Impact Wrestling. And this is going to lead to a six-man tag at the pay-per-view next month, Hard to Kill, on January 16th with Kenny Omega, Carl Anderson, and Doc Gallows against Rich Swan and the Motor City Machine Guns. Uh, the show this week was down from last week. They did 177,000 viewers, a .04 in the demo. So they were down 20% in viewers, 50% in the demo. Uh, and similar trends to Twitch, where they were down significantly from last week. But overall, it's still a net gain for impact of what they were doing pre this angle with Kenny Omega. So, uh, number one, did you see impact, uh, mainly the, the angle involved and how did you read the, read these numbers uh, if you're Impact? Not retaining all of your audience from last week, but could they have? I, I started watching from the second hour on Twitch, and um, so I, I caught the final angle. I I thought the show overall was um, somewhat underwhelming. I mean, it was very much the same as the first week in that you had kind of interspliced footage of Kenny Omega in the truck or in the in the uh, in, in the in the bus. You had that really amusing Tony Khan Tony Shimani. Uh, paid advertisement again. I um, thought it was very funny. I, th- I thought it was funnier this week than, than week one. Like they were like they've got the smug factor down pretty <laughs> pretty pretty well. 
I have to say, like from what I've seen overall, I I thought they really like had a great announcement at the end of the show, and I think the closing angle was really good. Like, there's enough buzz coming out of the show to lead you into uh, uh, that that pay per view with that match that I think makes the whole thing worthwhile and still continues that level of buzz. But um, maybe overall the show, especially like thinking about some of these ratings, I personally look at them as a bit of a disappointment. You know, like losing fifty percent of like your uh, uh, core demo, I suppose, even if it's, you know, it's still like a different ball game that we're really talking about here. But, um, it, they certainly didn't grow, which is, I think ultimately the, the best case scenario. Um, so people tuned in out of curiosity and a lot of them decided that it wasn't worth watching again, or that they maybe could just see the Kenny parts, you know, afterwards on, 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 on Twitter or wherever. That's true. I mean, you did have that option. I mean, if you just like that, that goes to to tell you, I mean, again, going back to if you were someone that only cared about Sting on Dynamite, um, are, are you going to be invested in watching the entire program or you just will wait and watch that one clip? Uh, and again, that goes to last week's number where I think it was really strong. The fact that, you know, AEW, like they they did tremendous ac- across the board. That tells me that people liked what they saw or they w- they wanted to watch the whole show. This like it is very clear, like in impact, it's it's not like there's this trickle down effect, at least that we're not seeing yet, where it's all these other impact programs are coming to people's uh, light that they're focused on. It's what what's Omega doing? And that's that's kind of carrying this whole thing. I guess the next question is, is is it enough that this will encourage you to buy uh, an impact pay-per-view next month for for that match? Yeah, you know, despite maybe how what what I think about like the you know like the TV rating, I I, I actually think the the pay per view will be a different story. I think it's a really attractive main event, um, for you know for an impact pay per view. It's it's a bullet club reunion, as like Kenny Omega's the words that actually came out of Kenny Omega's mouth. I I mean, really makes you wonder like if you i don't know the the legalities of of maybe like actually explicitly saying something like that but like nonetheless the 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 idea i think is really strong and i think there's going to be plenty of interest for the Kenny Omega match it's just cuz it's Kenny Omega on pay-per-view i mean look at just the interest in, in AAA this past weekend the heightened interest at least you know compared to the previous year's AAA uh um uh, triple manias you know just because of Kenny Omega on pay-per-view i think that is a difference maker you could see tonight um you know Kenny's been open about this about you know the state of his like his health right now and he he's trying to avoid uh having having any surgery you can see the cupping marks on his back and it just seems like this guy you know he's coming off that Moxley match the Laredo Kid match he's going to do tonight's, a Ray Phoenix match in two Janella weeks match. the Janela match tonight like and again even like you look on paper it's like okay a six man you can you can dial it back a bit. I don't think you can for because people are buying this to see a Kenny Omega match in this six man and everything, uh, the pressure that comes with that. Like he is really, to me, pushing himself physically to the limit over during this whole uh, period as as champion and going all over the place where and, and it's not like this guy is half assing it like we saw this past Saturday. Seems like a ga- a guy who like you know maybe is is some, somewhat kind of making up for lost time you know be not being in the single spotlight for for a bit. Um, certainly in the past two weeks since he's already won the championship, I he's already the talk of the industry and and he's already completely reinvigorated. I think our perceptions of him um, this year as you know primarily a tag team wrestler 
and now just um, the most, you know, the hottest singles wrestler in the industry. Do you think that Impact has to be creative now over these next couple of weeks because they're going to best of programming on Tuesday? Do they lose? Do they risk losing any of this momentum or the fact that they do have this pay-per-view that you think they can reasonably pick it right back up in January? I think the pay-per-view and like the hot main event, uh, you know, like a guaranteed of, of Kenny Omega's involvement throughout the weeks is is a good way to keep people on. I think you experience uh, drops, you know, for, for these best of shows. It's really unfortunate timing, unfortunately, you know, unfortunately for, for their taping schedule that it all the deal all had to come come at about this time. But I'm sure they, they take it when they can. But um, I think I think things will pick back up, especially if they continue to shoot interesting angles. Now, we have seen. Like, you know, with two weeks into this thing now, it's a rather one-sided, I would say, you know, kind of quote-unquote invasion. Where, I, where, where uh, you know, where, where I mean um, on impact, you get plenty of AEW involvement. You get Kenny Omega throughout the entire show. You get Tony Khan and Tony Schiavone. You get the commentators mentioning AEW pretty much like, you know, all the time. But on Dynamite, you it's not like you see Rich Swan. It's not like you're seeing the Good Brothers, at least not yet. Um, and you have brief mentions of impact, but beyond Don Callis, we're not seeing as much. So, um, not to say like that really kind of like takes the whole thing down, but it's, um, it, it, it doesn't feel as much of a kind of like, you know, fully formed invasion as maybe like, you know, I had originally built up in my head, at least not just yet. Yeah. I, I think like. AEW is getting to a point where it's it's just so busy as is. Mm-hmm. I I don't even know how you could fit all this stuff in. And in a way, it does kind of fit the story that like Im- like Impact is clearly positioned as the inferior company that Tony Khan isn't even allowing these guys onto his TV. I think it actually plays at like a different level as well. The fact that it's so like barely mentioned on AEW, like Impact. Impact is positioned in this role, and I think they're in a position where I like we're not talking about two companies on equal footing working together here. It's like both in storyline and probably both legitimately like it's AEW that ultimately is going to get the final say of what's going to happen here because they are coming from a position of power. Certainly. Yeah. You know, uh, like certainly, uh, you know, I, 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 I wonder if in the weeks to come we, we do eventually get a bit more crossover. Um, I, I think there's a great deal of potential, you know, not just like kind of sequestering all the involvement to Kenny Omega, but of course with the rest of the rosters that you could really mix, mix it up with. So, um, there's great, when the timing's right. You could, you could definitely do that. I don't think you have to go to that immediately, but yeah, that's, that's something in their pocket and there's something to gain from AEW by, you know, so, some of the talent that you could utilize, like having a. Anderson and Gallows come up, show up at Daly's place. Like, like, there's certainly ideas that I think you can go to that for for weeks where AEW it might be a more quiet week. That maybe that's when they want to pull the trigger on something like that. Perhaps, yeah. So there was also this this story out of uh, Japan that the Tokyo Metropolitan Police Department is planning to file charges against a man that was accused of cyberbullying Hanakamura, who you know took her life this past May. And there were posts that were deleted after her death, but people had captured screenshots of them and they were sent to the police. Uh, the suspect apparently did apologize to Kimura's family back in June through email, um, but he is now uh, facing charges here. And 
this was an alarming stat. There are some 1,200 posts from 600 accounts that are being investigated. Jeez, wow. Oh, my God. Um, really disheartening. Um, I... I don't. I haven't read the post uh, personally. I I can't really comment on like you know the appropriate amount of punishment for something like this. I mean, were there are there laws? Were there laws in, like put in place for something like that at that? Well, time? that's kind of what I mean. Hanukkah's family is kind of I think trying to push for. It's like this is all kind of you know uh, this is kind of like the next wave of kind of digital policing and where what responsibility is on somebody for for posts of uh, like harassing posts that ultimately, you know, contributed to, you know, Hanukkah's mental state. And I think that that's I, I think it it becomes very tricky when you when you're look, looking to, um, mm-hmm. you know, in, invoke the law here. And, and especially when we're talking about the, the, the Internet, where, um, you know, you're talking about the, the entire worldwide you know, geographical area. Um, But I think it's something that it's like, you have to be looking at when these people are being tortured online. And I don't think it's just as simple as, you know, these celebrities have to get off Twitter or get off social media. I don't think that's like a realistic um, uh, onus on their part to have to do. And I I guess this is just a, a case to certainly watch. And what are, what, what is the outcome here? And, is this going to curb any kind of online harassment? I I can't imagine it will, but it's you know something where the the police are actually looking to move forward here. But I just thought those numbers too were just like that gives you a glimpse of um, what this woman was probably uh, privy to on a daily basis uh, just by turning her phone on. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, I. I, I I love the fact that it's like it continues the conversation going. I I also hope like there's an appropriate amount of justice, and by that I mean like I, you know, it's that that we 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 don't just maybe call for you know like this guy to go to jail or something if like these rules weren't necessarily set in place. Um, but if, if it means like, you know, making changes for the future because of something like this, I'm, I'm all for that. Um, I think what you're looking for ultimately here is number one, remorse from the person that I, I would hope, um, certainly has, I don't think mm -hmm. I would, uh, you know, I, I would hope that no one that even would, that would post something so awful, like wishing that upon someone would actually want to see that happen, but and you would hope has that guilt now, but this, that the fact that they are now looking at charges and stuff that that will at the very least scare people off from from posting stuff that, you know, what what you put out there digitally, you can delete whatever you want. It will exist out there and hoping that people like understand like there are potential repercussions to this or just to think about what you're doing. What you're putting out there on the internet. Well, that would be the ultimate thing. But if if scare tactics are the best we're going to get, obviously we would hope for a more remorseful um, section of society that feels these people are untouchable or somehow they're not real people that will never see these messages. We're learning that they do see a lot of these messages and they can have uh, worse worse effects than you even intended. To to me, I think it, it just even starts from a very early age and I, I don't know if they're like school programs or, or if this is even part of a curriculum, but just even prop, I think, um, I don't know. We're taught, of course, you know, from children to be respectful to, to people that we, 
we meet on uh, in real life but at least when i was in school certainly like there's there was no mention about proper internet etiquette um and i wonder if that's changed at all but i i certainly think that's very important uh last thing here because uh we won't get to talk about it uh, before it happens on friday roh has their final battle card so the card the pre-show is going to air at eight o'clock eastern free and it's going to feature uh three matches including a four-way with tony deppin josh woods LSG and Dak Draper. The winner will challenge Dragon Lee later in the night for the TV title. Uh, then there's uh, Fred Yehai and Wheeler Yuta against Rhett Titus and Tracy Williams in a pure rules tag match that I think will be pretty entertaining. And Brian Johnson versus uh, Dan Housen. The pay-per-view card at nine is headlined by Roosh and Brody King for the ROH title. Jonathan Gresham against Flip Gordon for the pure title. And Gresham's doing double duty because he's also defending the tag titles with Jay Lethal against PCO and Mark Briscoe. The Dragon Lee title defense and Matt Taven and Mike Bennett against Vincent and Bateman. And what was interesting is that uh, Joe Coff did an interview uh, with PW Insider today noting that they are – there are ongoing talks with both Roosh and Dragon Lee regarding their contracts with ROH. So that adds a wrinkle into things uh, going into Friday as both are holding titles. And it looks like they are still in the midst of contract talks with ROH. So we're going to have John Ceno on Friday night on Rewind to SmackDown right after the pay-per-view ends. And he'll do a, uh, a rundown of the show and what happens, which ROH, I have been enjoying their television quite a lot. I'm Looking forward to watching this pay-per-view at some point this weekend, but they have uh, come back and I've really enjoyed the one hour format and the adjustments that they've made in the empty arena setting. So um, they, they've got a lot of cool things that they've been uh, executing on TV. Is it a pre-tape? No, it's um, th- they are in Baltimore now. I think they were doing TV during the week and it's I believe it's a live pay-per-view on Friday. Okay, cool. All right. AEW, uh, anything we should mention for the site? The jingle contest, I think we are actually, we, we've gotten uh, several entries, but I think we're going to extend the deadline because, uh, well, we, we have the, the time to do so. So uh, we are going to extend the deadline if people want to get their jingles in at forum.postwrestling.com. Uh, you can throw up your jingle submissions. We'll get to all of them on the Christmas show that drops on Christmas Eve way. It's going to be you and I spending Christmas Eve together virtually. When do you want to extend the deadline till? Um, why don't you? Well, <laughs> I guess it depends. Honestly, it depends on you because because you'll be having to you know put it into the anyway. Not, sorry, don't want to reveal let's, too much here. But oh, let's uh let let's extend the deadline to uh we'll, we'll make it Sunday night. Is Sunday night enough time? Works for me. Yeah. So basically, at the end of TLC. Let's say that, okay? So people have till Sunday night uh, to put the finishing touches on their Christmas jingles uh, for the Christmas show. And uh, yes, we will be live on Friday night, 10.30 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, 10.30 is a special start time this week uh, to accommodate uh, the the timing of the ROH pay-per-view ending. So that will be there for all patrons. And then we'll be live right after TLC on Sunday night. So a lot of live shows coming up in the next few days. On the site right now, we have uh, last night's edition of Ask Away, two hours of me and John Pollock answering all of your questions 
exclusively on our Post Wrestling Cafe Patreon. Uh, Andrew Thompson and Davey Portman return for their Impact review. So if you want to hear all about the show, including uh, Kenny Omega's big reunion with the Good Brothers, you can find that on the Up Next feed and also on this feed too, if you just scroll down right below. Uh, Up Next is up tonight. You're probably there right now as you're listening to this. Tomorrow, it's the return of Bushby and Thompson's wrestling adventure. Going back to 2016 with King of Pro Wrestling with Kazuchika Okada and Naomichi Marafuji in the main event. And that'll be found on the British Wrestling Experience feed. So just subscribe to that right now wherever you download your podcast. Rewind a SmackDown on the Patreon live at 10.30 this week. So 15 minutes uh, later than usual, but starting at 10.30 live for all patrons and then uh, downloadable afterwards for all patrons. And then on Sunday, it is the TLC post show with me and John live for all Double Double Espresso and Ice Cat patrons. So uh, go and check that out. Check it out. Uh, Post Wrestling Cafe members, you get Rewind to SmackDown every Friday night. We'll also be doing live editions of the best of and worst of shows uh, coming up over the next couple of weeks. So Braden, Braden and Davey will be joining us uh, for those. But tonight we head over for a live edition of Dynamite from Daly's Place, starting off with Hangman Page, John Silver, and Alex Reynolds celebrating Cowboy Day against Matt Hardy and Private Party, with Matt sporting his The Truth is the truth shirt. Yeah. So the storylines going in here, that dark, dark order, of course, are courting hangman page. They've uh, much of this has played out on BTE and page has agreed to team with them at least for one night. Uh, while man Hardy, he's been doing this overly egotistical, you know, character that I guess now is called what his truth is the truth character. And he really screwed up private parties performances in the diamond ring battle Royal two weeks ago. It's kind of strange in that, like, I don't know how pissed off Private Party have been. It's like, this dude has really screwed things up for him for, like, a good month now. And they're just, they still... But he's Matt him. Hardy. You're right. It's too much reverence there. So, <laughs> the the Dark Order and Page cleared the ring, and John Silver was hilarious here, swinging the invisible lasso on the back of Hangman Page. Uh, they double-teamed Silver, uh, including Mark Quinn, uh, hitting a standing moonsault onto Silver's back. They got the heat on Silver until he hit a brain buster, which uh, brought out a killer Carl Cox reference from Jim Ross. And he tags Page, who hit this fallaway slam, Pascato. Hardy uh, came up here, and he had busted his lip from some strike he took. Uh, there was this awesome sequence of a pop-up powerbomb from Page into a German by Silver and a jackknife cover by Reynolds, uh, but Quinn kicked out. Like an awesome like triple-team sequence. Then Silver took a twist of fate to the floor, and Silver immediately grabs his left knee, and he never returned for the match. So hopefully that was just selling. And they hit the gin and juice onto Reynolds, but Matt Hardy tagged himself in to steal the cover in 10 minutes and 47 seconds. I thought an okay tag match um, had its bumps along the way. Sure. By the end of it, I I I, I thought it was like... Uh, a little below like my my taste for like AEW tag standards and I don't know exactly if it's just due to the in-ring work or maybe the fact that, that I'm somebody who really does appreciate a bit of crowd sweetening and I think on these live shows sometimes you could really tell and it just it results in sometimes like even the finishes themselves not being all that exciting um to me just maybe in terms of atmosphere but um as far as like storyline goes I I 
I think Dark Order and Page have so much personality. I like this really like this dynamic they have. I thought they were effectively able to convey that story here. Some good moments between them in the ring. I think the Hardy thing is dragging out a little bit longer than it should without appropriate response from private party. Like they should be pretty pissed off at this guy by now. And yet every week they just continue to pair up, pair up with him as if nothing was wrong. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe they're going to have to have a, a heart to heart. Yes. They had, there was no way you could watch tonight's show and not be reminded that next week's show will start at 10 PM or after the NBA game. They hammered this to you as they should. Absolutely. Yes. Inner circles with Alex Marvez with MJF holding the plaque presented by the New York Times for their review of Le Dinner Debonair. I didn't realize and, these were real awards. I thought this was just like a mention in, in an article. Do you think this was a legit plaque from the New York Times? Do they send these out uh, to all of their their mentions for their year end, um, you know, best of the year? I, I, I guess I didn't have reason to think that they were making this up, but. You you think it's me? Like I know they're the, the New York Times, but I mean, the <laughs> n- newspaper industry really got the the plaque budget. Like the, that to me is where you know what. Well, let's uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll throw that Maggie Haberman's way. We're not we're not investing in plaques to send out to pro wrestlers in Florida. <laughs> well, you think if, so? Okay, let's say they made this up. Like, why would they do it in the form of a plaque? Why not just show the article on an iPad or something? Well, they need a weapon. Way someone's gonna get blasted with an this iPad's thing at some a weapon. Point. But you're right. Okay, maybe a um, printed piece of paper. <laughs> that would be awesome if they were walking around with the same piece of pa- newspaper <laughs> week after week, and they had to transport this thing with them. Um, uh, I really like. Yeah, please go, go ahead. ahead. Well, I, I I thought it was really amusing that the the fact they were able to number one brag about a real life piece of publicity here from a mainstream source while using it to further a story here between these two. I enjoyed the interplay here with Jericho and MJF. It's Jericho's trying to take credit for Le Dinner Debonair, and MJF cuts him off, and he just says, I'm so sick of people online writing that I'm such a better performer than Chris Jericho. He's my mentor. He's the GOAT. He's my best friend. I love you, man. And Jericho just uh, tells him, congratulations. I, I think it's great. Just like the little digs that just constantly build and build between these two. Like, it's mm-hmm. just really great really great a constant push pull between between them uh, both just really good at knowing how to play the role and you know just giving you enough every single week Cody and Brandy are decorating a Christmas tree when the door knocks and there is a mysterious gift on the front step they open it up it's Gucci and I literally thought, oh, Gucci diaper bag. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Which goes for a lot. Yes. And it's the reveal that the two are expecting a child in 2021. A lot of wrestling babies on their way. Man, this is like, the, this is the baby reveal show on Dynamite. We're, it's a long-term build, man. Like, you know, 20 years time. Um, On AEW Dark, you probably see some of these performers um yeah it, it's it's kind of unusual to see like such an explicit baby reveal like this this felt like the type of video you would send privately to your friends 
and not necessarily like one that you broadcast on national television. But of course, these are different people. They're not normal people. They are um, very much the first family of this company. And I think something like this, you know, as we would go on to see, almost seemed to be an introduction of a new character for Cody now. Um, the father to what, be. What, father to be, yeah. He was even introduced here by Justin Roberts as the future father, Cody. Mm-hmm. As he took on Angelico, uh, Shivani was noting he, uh, that perhaps he could grow his hair out like Angelico, but he draws the line at trying to learn how to dance like Angelico. Uh, after the break, Jack Evans was getting involved. Arn yanked him down. Um, Angelico did some great like submission work, kicking away at the right leg to weaken it before he went for Navarro Dos Mil after yanking Cody's hand when he got on his back to go for the uh, the slap. And Cody worked his way to the rope and got out of the submission by channeling Tomohiro Ishii, and he bit the rope. That led to the Navarro death roll that Rhodes was still able to get out of. Crossroads is countered, but then Cody goes high with the Cody cutter, and he pins Angelico in 9 minutes and 42 seconds. I thought it was... It's been a really good, like couple of weeks for Angelico who you know is only really booked to be like a supporting player but I think in ring he he's got a very different style um what do you think what is the what is his uh submission style called um the negro yave yeah how do you say that yave yave yes um it's it's very unique and, and unlike anything else that you see get to see on dynamite and I think you know this was a good match that was able to display some of that um and, I really like that it separates him. Like, mm-hmm. you know, when you watched Lucha Underground, like so much of it was just his flying. And he is, he's a spectacular flyer. But I think this really differentiates himself. And I think it's all like logical, like the way he worked on the on the right leg and chopping away at it. And it feeds into this these unique submissions that no one else on the show is doing. It's like I, I think he, it's been a nice uh, showcase for him. It, like th- this was a fine match. I wouldn't say it was anything like blow away great, but it was a nice spotlight for and Helico because I like the style. I, I thought it was notable for, for the fact that, you know, as we had mentioned, like on commentary, they were talking about Cody as the father to be, you know, even like Shivani mentioning how. Oh, you could see it in his eyes. Like he's thinking about his future child. Like, <laughs> I guess, I guess that was what they were trying to convey. Um, so it it seems like it's the you know the beginning of a new type of character for Cody. Team Taz comes out, and you knew that Taz was going to be cutting a promo on a baby. He mocks <laughs> Cody's news. He threatens Darby Allen. He tells Cody. We're going to put you on paternity leave. But then the lights go out and Sting comes out. This, I feel Sting was, granted, he was on this show to pull a number, but I felt he was, like, just here for Tony to scream, It's Sting! He did it twice. As he should be. They really noted that it was powerhouse Hobbs that was being restrained. They showed a shot of Darby, and then Sting gave a wink at Cody. And that was it. That was all Sting was here for. So if you tuned in specifically for Sting, I think you would have been left a little, um, I don't know. Disappointed. Not disappointed, but it was just, uh, there There was nothing really to this. Uh, like, this was just a straight line from last week. I, I would personally say disappointed, especially the fact that they, like, you know, they, they announced, like, as a feature that Sting would be a part of this show. Like they was, said he'd appear. Uh, they didn't lie. He appeared. <laughs> he literally, Sting will drive to the building. 
He'll get out of his car and he's going to walk out in his paint. You can see him for um, 30 seconds. Yeah. I think three weeks in, like after already hearing so him speak so much last week, I kind of need a bit more than him just walking out with a bat. The, the novelty weeks. of Sting is going to wear thin when you're showing him weekly. So I agree with you. Like if you're going to use him weekly, then – you know, you do have to take the next step. And I think after tonight's appearance, like this is the last one you can kind of get away with just, mm-hmm. my God, it's Sting is uh, here with his presence among us. It's, uh, I think you, you got to take the, the next step. I w- to be honest, like, I think you've got like the next week or two kind of loaded up that may- maybe you save them for a few weeks when you can do something more substantial with them. You know, it seems like fatherhood is going to be a big theme of this program between Taz and, you know, uh, the Nightmare family. So I need to see some father-son time between Sting and Darby Allen. Third plane. Are you kidding? This is like, dude, it's like Cody's the son and Darby's like the grandson. <laughs> sure. Okay, fine. Grandson. I just want to see Sting play catch with like a flaming fireball with Darby Allen. Or at least like joining <laughs> him for for some sort of like bungee jumping crazy thing. Alex Marvez interviewed Miro who was fined $75,000 for injuring three staff members last week. 25000 per staff member. So Drew McIntyre and Sheamus got off easy on Monday. Oh, how much did they get fined? Zero. Pat oh. Buck wasn't supposed to get in the way. These staff members, they care about their employees here. I mean, there must be some semblance of reality attached to these numbers. Like, I guess that in the NFL, if you attacked a staff member, you'd be fined somewhere in this range. What did Latrell Sprewell get in 2004? You're asking the wrong guy. But, oh. um, yeah, it sounds like a whole lot of money for something that pretty much takes place every single week. Like, how many fines would Lance Archer have paid by this point? <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of a good point when we're talking about the, uh, the, the exact same uh, show. So uh, that Twitch money might be mad, though, for Miro. Maybe this is a drop in the bucket. He's upset at Orange Cassidy because he doesn't care about anything including likes, retweets, and subscribers. Next week, he's facing Sunny Kiss on Dark, and then on Dynamite, we're going to have the wedding date announcement for Kip and Penelope. When he's asked about Christmas, he yells, Bah humbug, that's my birthday. And it is. He is born on December 25th. Oh, okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he must really love Twitch, this guy. Like, you know, he came out of this company as, like, what I would say the hottest act of that crop of, of talents that were released by the WWE. And comes in, clearly, this is most of his idea. He's like, bring me in, make me a Twitch guy. I'll cut promos about stats and views and likes. Like, he must really love this shit. He's all in on Twitch. Maybe this guy just realized, like... Wrestling is my promotional vehicle to a, a world where I can make a living sitting at home on Twitch. It, honestly, that's the goal. It honestly feels like that. It feels like it feels like the Twitch is first and foremost, and, and the wrestling is secondary. <laughs> well, hey, to each his own. No one's going to tear their ACL on Twitch. Eddie Kingston comes out solo. He doesn't care about any of you people. He's got lots of enemies. He looks up to the sky. You're the biggest one, but I'm not dead yet. <laughs> The next one is Pac, and he injured his neck. That guy's never coming back. His career's over. 
The third is Lance Archer, who immediately runs out to attack Kingston. It's three-on-one with Butcher and the Blade getting involved. Then Phoenix and Penta are out, followed by the man whose career is done and will never see again, Pac. He comes out, and the four take out the family, ending with the Tornillo dive by Phoenix onto Butcher and Blade. But then Pac and Archer get into it because Pac attacks Kingston right as Archer is going to choke slam him. So they're upset with one another. I like the fact that we finally have some sort of order between several, I would say, loose ends and characters in this mix. Um, without much explanation, like we just had Archer kind of put into Pac's role over the past week. And now they're able to use that as a sort of, you know, battle between the two alpha males on the babyface side of things. I think that, you know, um, it's building up to an interesting semi feud, but I don't know. I, I I do wonder if like any original plans were changed here, if like anything was juggled, but because like I, I will say like for me, at least the sense of this entire thing is that it's at least somewhat scattered and relatively heatless, especially when you compare like what Moxley was doing prior to this. Or sorry, uh with what 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 Kingston was, was doing with Moxley. Yeah, I mean it's like Kingston has, you know, that that was such a big main event program and this is kind of a you know he's taking a, f- a few steps back here, as, as can be expected. But, um, but where's the where, what's the you know grudge here? Like, what's the real story here? To me, like uh, what, a part of my disappointment is that they spent so much time building up Penta as Eddie's best friend. Nothing came of that after the turn. You know, I think all of that could have been explained more. Like you get like the base of Eddie Kingston was kind of like trying to divide the the brothers and stuff, but I don't think that was near. Um, focused upon enough um, mm-hmm. that this is this guy who had gained these tr- their trust, and here he was the dividing line within to break up this family. Yeah, instead, like you pivoted now to like Archer, kind of digging up that like battle royal elimination from kind of out of nowhere for, for from like a month ago, and then now you're trying to like mix that in with Pack. I I just think it it calls for like. I'm not really sure, but it just seems a little bit scattered to me, at least up until this point. Dasha interviewed Dustin Rhodes, who said seven was a bad idea years ago. It's a bad idea now. And I think he got upset saying, you called me the third least important member of the Rhodes family, which would mean he would be ahead of them in importance. The third least. He would mean important? that I was the third. That I was. <laughs> I think he said I, I. I think what he wanted to say is that I was the least important Rhodes. But by saying right. I was the th- the third <laughs> least important one, that means what? Brandy's the second least important, and Cody is the most least important. Yes, yes, yes. Right. He should have. I said- think we all knew what he was saying, but nonetheless. <laughs> Uh, less words may, makes for a more simplistic man. The uh, YouTube delivery. YouTube comments are really going to hate us this on this one. You you nitpicking uh, neg- you're negatives. It's so, so negative. Like I don't understand. Do you just wake up every morning with a cloud over your head? <laughs> well, he cut a hell of a promo here. So screw off. We're being positive. Uh, it was a good promo. He's going to kick Evil Uno's ass next week. He's going to go one by one through all of the Dark Order. One through, is this ten. is this going to be like Ricochet, where he's going to lose to every member of the Dark Order, and they're going to try and recruit him? Um, I don't know. 
I hope I hope not. So yeah, um I hope nothing is I <laughs> I I I don't think anybody anything can be like dark order. Uh there'll be plenty of conversation about the sorry, uh, about um retribution. You know what? Retribution are in Dark Order's place where Dark Order was in 2019. Right I would say that that's a good comparison point of where they were 2019. So, so what you're saying is that retribution 2021 are, is their year. Yeah, they are a YouTube hit away from a total rebound. Uh, I honestly, if you want to salvage this thing, make them comedy. Like they're already laughable, dude. T Bar on Twitter is hilarious. Oh, like bet. he's he's having fun with this. Where, um, you know. Especially this week, he could have he could have had some grand fun on Monday. Give me the retribution web series, you know, like they're they're just hacking away, hacking something. Uh, they should be online taking credit for these ratings. Uh, for- we told you we are going to destroy <laughs> this place, and after four months, record low. <laughs> wow! Yeah, what a threat. The lowest quarter was Mace. <laughs> Best friends, Top Flight, and the Varsity Blondes against Chris Jericho, Santana Ortiz, MJF, Jake Hager, and Sammy Guevara. This was supposed to be a 14-man tag, uh, but they announced earlier in the day that Wardlow had some family situation, could not travel to the tapings, and thus they removed him, and Brandon got cut. Yes. Odd man out, unfortunately. I I, I mean... Wow. He really was the expendable one. Like he's the one who's not in the tag team. I'm sure they'll make a story out of it on BTE. Cassidy is asleep on commentary, and Jericho starts off with Pillman, and the two traded chops. They were noting this is the first time the two have ever uh, locked up, and Pillman did Jericho's springboard drop kick on him, and I bet this was a, probably a cool deal for Jericho to work with Brian Pillman. Absolutely, yeah. It, it's really interesting having like a Brian Pillman appear on a show like this with so many guys that would have at least been around like when his dad was. Um, there's such a great potential for storytelling. And you could tell Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone love calling this guy's matches because it just kind of allows them to dump all their Brian Pillman knowledge into <laughs> these. Um, so, yeah. And Ross says that Griff Garrison reminds him of Adam Copeland. Uh, similar hair, similar build, I guess. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Dante Martin is in with MJF briefly. Then Santana and Ortiz get in it with best friends that they made a big deal out of because it's the first time they've met since the parking lot brawl. And the baby faces clear the ring and we get a six way hug before we go to picture and picture. We come back. Jericho and Guevara are doing their pose. Uh, Darius Martin caught Ortiz with a standing Spanish fly, and then Dante with a dive to the floor. I think these guys are great. Top flight. I agree. I agree. I, you know, I wasn't sure if, like, after that one match with the Bucks, whether we just, you know, after they were signed, whether we just see them in dark. But it, it's clear that they have like ideas and you know a direction for them on dynamite it's hard to stand out in this tag division and i think they're doing a really good job of isolating themselves from like the others like they feel like the hot of the of the several rising teams they feel like the the hottest act to me of like the upcoming tag the new ones sure yes Jericho then uses the bat on griff garrison leading to a lariat by jake hager and he lifts him up and 
he hit a pretty brutal F10. This thing did not look great. You know, he lifted him up. He was about to go for the arm triangle, which is his usual finish, and then just yeah. kind of hesitates and decides to hit Wardlow's F10 instead. So I thought that was a nice touch, even though if yeah. the F10 looked more like an F4. Yeah, like the F up. Yes. And then tags MJF, who they call the rat, who pins Griff in 14 minutes and 19 seconds. To me, it was a match that was notable for, you know, continuing the the showcases of Top Flight and Varsity Blondes, who I think both teams got pretty good showcases here. Just just to even put those, those two teams in there with your top faction, and especially a guy like Chris Jericho, and having those two teams be very competitive with them, I think is is actually a really great way to, like, build them up, even in, in a loss. I came out of this, I wanted to see... Uh, Jericho, whether it be Jericho and Hager or Jericho and MJF or even in singles matches, like I thought, man, I want to see a future tag match with the Varsity Blondes, and I definitely want to see a future match with Top Flight. And when Top Flight attacked Jericho and MJF, they put all the emphasis on Top Flight. And number one, you wanted the match. Number two, they teased the match. And number three, they said next week, you're going to get the match. That is all I want out of wrestling. tease something make me want it and then deliver it i thought this was just laid out perfectly yes completely agreed we're 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 easy to please it's literally the formula (laughs) give us something we want marvez was interviewing thunder rosa who addressed Britt baker and blamed her for losing her match to serena deeb and and baker believing she doesn't belong here rebel shows up and says you have a horrible laugh and this is a distraction for Baker to jump Thunder Rosa, who's not welcome here, pours water over her face paint, and then Baker looks concerned at the camera and says, does that still work? Did the ugly face break the camera? And Baker leaves. I, I, I like the segment overall. Um, I thought Rosa sounded really charismatic in the interview. To me, like she already has the presence of somebody who feels like the top baby face in the division. So I would really love to continue to hear her cutting promos every week. I, I actually am surprised we haven't heard more recently, but I know she's NWA, but like this is a division that I think is in great need of like characters that are have that sort of superstar appeal and they need to feature them on, on the shows. The 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 segment itself all a lot of these like backstage segments, you know, like these backstage attacks, and I'm thinking about, you know, ones like this, like what we saw with um Jade Cargill um, and, and Nyla, uh, Nyla Rose, like, weeks back, they all feel really... Set up ru- the tag match tonight, yeah. It's, they um... all feel really rushed to me. And I understand, like, they're trying to cram as much of this action into, like, a short amount of time as possible because they want to focus on in-ring, qual- like, content, right? To prevent people from f- switching channels. But it does result in, like, some very kind of rushed, unnatural performances without that much breathing space at all. And... To me, that's a little bit detrimental, you know, for me to really kind of get into this. But, like, it was a good segment, I I, I think, in general. Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian against the acclaimed Anthony Bowens and Max Caster. Max did his rap referring to Christopher Daniels as CD, an outdated format, as he held up a CD. A Nickelback CD, yeah. A Nickelback CD, of all things. The Young Bucks are ringside here, uh, but the beat keeps going, and Kazarian takes the mic. He rhymes 
rap with crap, which I guess is uh, what's old is new again. And he says, you're out here dissing or are you just men on a mission? And says their rapping is like the year 2020. It's the shits. And I can't do this justice, but I thought Kazarian was hilarious here. Oh, Kaz ethered these dudes. Oh, man. man. I think... I think it's a good introduction that you've got Max Caster doing this, but I, I don't know if it's a long-term thing you can you can run with. Maybe probably not. Um, not 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 at this level. I will say, I yeah, it's a great way to I think introduce somebody to step somebody up from dark to to dynamite. But um, I was way more entertained by Kaz. Kazarian was great here. Like he just to me, <laughs> he stole the segment. Like he was so yeah. funny here. Yeah, I thought Caster's lines are pretty weak. They note uh, Max's father, Rich Caster, the NFL player. Uh, during the break, they get the advantage on Kazarian until he tags Daniels, who gets Irish whipped by Bowens, but delivers an STO to Caster and a Blue Thunder Bombs hit. But then Daniels gets nailed with a boombox by Max Caster from the floor. Bowens lifts him, twisting Uranagi Slam, pinning Daniels in 821. It is their eighth consecutive win. And Caster proceeds to cut a rap on the Bucks, stating they look like girls on their cycle, calls them a cuck, and does, like, this was the thing Cena would always do, where he would rhyme one word and tease saying fuck, but the partner's got to stop him. It's like, on this on this show, where they swear, like, every other segment, I guess, I guess fuck is the, uh, the land we cannot travel to. Um, anyway. They are the heels in all of this, so I guess they can look kind of silly at times. But uh, I don't know the, the rap thing again. I think I think it's it's a good way to establish, especially Max Caster. Mm-hmm. But but I think long term, I think it's actually kind of limiting if these guys can actually be good promos. Yeah, I don't even know if they're thinking about long term right now. I think you know they they just want to have anybody make an impression. It's an introduction, which I mean they're fresh on TV, so I'm not saying like you know ditch it right now. There's you know they're it's fine, but. Uh, the bigger thing here is they are going to do uh, the Young Bucks against the Acclaimed next week for the tag titles. And I think following that NBA game, that's the match I'm putting on first immediately with your hot team, your big, you know, the Young Bucks, their numbers do very, very well. And you've got your team on the rise in the Acclaimed to introduce to a, a new audience as well. That's how I would start uh AEW next week. Uh, I don't disagree. I, I mean, starting with the Bucks is, I think, always a good idea. Uh, that's a huge, huge responsibility for the acclaimed here uh, in a short amount of time since their introduction, at least on Dynamite. I, I personally think it's a, it's almost, it feels a little early for like you know an actual title match, at least in story. But you know, if the goal is to continue the introduction via a match with the Bucks, like you kind of have to justify a way to kind of get there, right? Especially if you want to like promote this being a tag title match so uh yeah we'll see what they can do i wonder what that i wonder what that rap is going to be that that to me is going to be the big pressure situation for max caster coming off of a basketball game yeah you got to work in well you're you're following a milwaukee bucks game into the young bucks but that doesn't rhyme that's just the same word i mean you just you set it up right there you know all the f words you could tease Kazarian was also upset with Daniels and stormed off. Cameron almost kind of missed that, but like this was also the significant part of this match, like teasing some sort of dissension between Kaz and Daniels. Yeah, so maybe they'll have a wrap off. Have they not done that? I, I swear, like in TNA, they've done. 
Oh, they were they were doing like every week. They were doing the 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 throwback gimmick as yeah. well. I'm sure there was some rapping in there. Maybe Kazarian challenges him to a rap battle next week. So Kazarian comes with mic in hand, and Daniels comes out with presents. Uh Christmas presents. Oh, has... rap, rap, like W R A P. And he misses yeah. the point of what Kazarian was challenging him to. <laughs> nice. <laughs> God. I had to. I had to see it in writing. I. I. I could not be near uh, a creative staff. Dasha interviewed Top Flight. They compliment Jericho and MJF. They are the coldest team in the game, and they challenge MJF and Jericho for next week. You can accept or run away like two little bitches. I was really impressed at at Darius's like delivery and confidence you know he seemed tv ready at least by the short promo these guys are they're on the fast track i'm very high on this team yeah yeah serena deeb and big swole versus ivalice and diamante swole got her neck snapped on the top rope as diamante followed with a german we go through the break uh deeb did an indian deathlock on ivalice with a simultaneous uh, snap suplex to diamante and then a figure four on ivalice they roll to the rope Swole is tagged in, Dirty Dancing is ducked, and they note that she has been working with Dean Malenko and therefore uses her submission that has been inspired by Malenko, the Clearwater Cloverleaf that she applies to Diamante while Deeb tackles down Ivelisse, forcing Diamante to tap out. Really emphasizing this new submission that Swole has. Uh, Essentially, it's a Texas Texas Cloverleaf, but kind of like mixed with the Walls of Jericho. Like the oh, sorry, the lion tamer variation, you know, elevated and with like sort of a knee in the back of the neck. Good looking finish. Um, and I think Swole definitely needs something like a new weapon to refresh her. Um, match itself was okay. And then Nyla Rose ran in with Vicky uh, for the attack. It's three on two, and then Red Velvet came in with a chair. They cleared it for the heels, so maybe a six woman tag uh, comes out of that. You know, in general, I think, man, like. Too, too many angles. Or, or like, my just... criticisms about this division are going to be the same, like, every single week. You know, it's a division that's sorely lacking in, like, personalities that we can recognize and understand. Like, it needs more stories. It needs more promos. Even, like, BTE segments, just, you know, to to, right. to to tell me something about the people that you're constantly introducing. I know nothing about Red Velvet. I mean, I barely know why Nia and Vicky attacked, like... What was it, Deeb? Like in the a lot of the go-to setups. It's just like I attack you, we're outnumbered, someone saves us, and that's the match. Yeah, like fine. It's just it's not. You need more than just that. I think that there's there's only so much you can get behind um, with with that kind of premise. They introduced Jade Cargill as sort of like a principal character in this whole thing. She's nowhere to be seen. Like last we heard, Jade Cargill, she was talking about Shaq, and it's like. There's just way too many kind of loose ends, and it does feel unfocused to me. Well, and that also, I mean, wherever that was going, whether it be Jade Cargill with Brandy or a mixed tag, I mean, that's got to be out the window now. Oh, you're right. Yeah, I didn't think about that. I'm hmm. going to be doing any physicality with with Brandy she, Rhodes. She's clearly still going to be involved. Like, she she could cut promos. She can do it's just you you have to go about it a different way like you're you're not going to be able to do the mixed tag. I mean you could do Cody and Shaq. You could put someone in for Brandy. I guess you could you could get around it that way, but I mean the initial plan it looked to be, you know, they were certainly teasing like a mixed tag. That's what I took out of it. Right. 
Best friends state it will never be over with Santana and Ortiz. They are excited about the wedding date announcement next week, uh, and they are going to show up at the Holiday Bash, in, uh, inferring that they will somehow get involved with the wedding date announcement. Yes. Exciting. Jurassic Park, uh, Jurassic Express had a highlight video, which was some pretty spectacular uh, spots put together. FTR are complaining to the announcers if the tag division even means anything. They make fun of Jurassic Express. This is how we feed our families. And they warn Jurassic Express that they're in their way. And they storm off from the announcers. I I really liked this promo here, especially from Dax Harwood. It was full of intensity. It's a very easy, natural story to be able to tell, given their respective gimmicks here. You have, you know, FTR, who are a no-nonsense team. And then you have a team of, like, a dinosaur and, like, a kid who, you know, at least at one time thought he was Tarzan. Like, you don't really need a whole lot of storytelling here because the nature of their gimmicks makes them rivals. You know, the mere existence of a guy wrestling in a dinosaur mask thinking he's a dinosaur is enough to piss FTR off. And and I thought the promo pretty much, like, drove that home very effectively by him saying... This is an insult. This is a threat to my family. You guys promoting this guy is a threat to my family. <laughs> Next week, it's the Young Bucks and the Acclaim for the titles. Jericho and MJF against Top Flight. Uh, and on the graphic, it did say with Wardlow. Okay. Interesting. And they're taping that, I, I assume, tomorrow. Hmm, interesting. Okay. Um, Jurassic Express against Colt Cabana. Five and ten in a six-man tag, and Hikaru Shida in action. Dustin Rhodes against Evil Uno and Pack against the Butcher. So I would say your two top tag matches would be the big ones next week. Yeah. Um, are you expecting like? I guess you know maybe more worthwhile to comment about this once we get the ratings on Thursday. But like, I, I sense that like these shows aren't really being pushed as clearly as big as maybe the last two weeks. And do you see the ratings reflecting that? Yeah, we'll see if they announce any any additions to this for next week. Yeah, on the surface, I think the biggest draw is that they're following a, a heavily watched NBA game. Like right. that should that should get them off to a great start. Um, yeah, because on on the surface, um, and, and maybe for that reason, match. Tag yeah. Match. I, I really like the idea of starting the show with, with the Bucks and the acclaimed, but looking at this lineup, like maybe maybe they believe they should save that for the main event as well, because there's not a whole lot of matches on here that scream a uh, main event for next week beyond that tag title match. I guess you could do the top flight. If, if top flight were getting the win, um, there's certainly an argument to close the show with that. If they get some fluke win and Jericho and MJF can't get along. Or if you're going to have like any sort of involvement with Shaq or at least Cody cutting a promo on Shaq, should it not be next week? Should not, that not be the first segment? Well, and those are the, those are certain things I could see them announcing over the course of the week, like you know mm-hmm. certain pro, like people appearing uh, and what you uh, whatever appearances we have. Main event is Kenny Omega, Joey Janela, no disqualification, title eliminator match. Whereas uh, if Janela wins, he will get a future title shot. Omega's intro included uh, raising Impact's ratings by 33% and AEW drawing their best number of the year last week. Uh, Callus is out with Omega, and he tries to kick Shivani off commentary, and Tony tells him to kiss his ass. So instead, Callus grabs a microphone and does commentary during the match ringside. Uh, Janela immediately blasts Omega with a trash can and... 
like this was starting what way like eight nine minutes left in the show like it was mm-hmm. very late for an AEW main event to start yes so you yeah. knew they were going to be rushing through this um, we see a Kataro Crusher delivered on the floor to Janela on a chair. Uh, they did bring up the Laredo Kid match, but it was very much in passing and no footage. Like, they really didn't put any kind of spotlight on Triple Mania. Well, I'll say for a guy who's kind of working this belt collector gimmick, like, I don't know if I really get the sense that he he's following that same thing on Dynamite. Like, he's mentioning the belt collector thing on Impact, um, but... You would figure he would at least show up with like the mega title at some point, right? Like, yeah, I mean, it was just it's just like the one mentioned by Excalibur, and that's what it was uh, limited to. Callus calls the Terminator dive, the Tope Con Hilo, as Excalibur goes, it's Hero. (laughs) I love that. He calls uh, Callus calls Janela an ugly hardcore wrestler, and he's doing this on the microphone, like right next to him. Omega gets on the microphone. And like they're kind of mixing in like these comedic lines with like a like a, a hardcore match. Janela ends up uh, getting brutalized with a trash can, and as Kenny lifts him for the one winged angel, it's countered with a reverse Rana. Sunny kisses ringside, pulls out the table, and Omega gets placed on the table. And Janela comes off the top with a leg drop, putting Omega through the table, rolls him into the ring, misses a moonsault, and Kenny is just a. Uh, Right back to full full health as he hits two V-triggers and the one-winged angel, and he wins this thing in six minutes and eight seconds. Uh, from the get-go, when like Joey Janela ran at Kenny Omega with that trash can right upon that grand entrance, uh, this thing was uh, operating at a really crazy quick pace, and I found it very entertaining. It was not very... You know, it was competitive, but like maybe it wasn't sort of the lengthy back and forth that you might expect from a Kenny Omega match. And I don't think it should be. I think for your TV, your champion should be winning quick matches. Uh, it To me, it's a, it was a spectacle enough just to be able to see him wrestle. And I think some of these spots that they incorporated in here definitely made me very satisfied watching it. I, I thought the callous thing was really entertaining. Uh, I'm glad they didn't do it for the whole match because it, it definitely it, it had made its point and I think uh, was bordering on overstaying its welcome. But I, I found it very entertaining overall. The announcers mentioned uh, they did bring up John Moxley, who for another week did not appear, which I like. I think it should be it'll be notable when John Moxley finally shows up. And if if, if for instance, if that's the February pay-per-view he doesn't need to be there now, and people can just wonder what when he's going to show up and make it impactful when he does return. Do you expect him making any appearances anywhere else? Oh, in in regards to like Wrestle Kingdom, yeah, or like I don't know, I guess something with Kenta or something like that. I guess there's always the possibility um, that that he could do that. Um, I'm not expecting it. I, I would say it's like a small percentage, but I can't say. he doesn't do it. Hmm. Um, Callus says that's for all the haters that he's now beaten Janela, who was replaced in the tournament, and now Omega uh, is officially the rightful champion. But then Pac comes out, noting that they have unfinished business and said Phoenix never lost in the tournament, so how can Omega be the rightful champion? Omega says, wrestlers don't tell the world champion what to do. Pac says, 
Well, that's where you're wrong, because I spoke to Tony Khan. The title match is sanctioned for December 30th. It's Kenny Omega versus Ray Phoenix, and Kenny Omega just lost his mind. He just sold this tremendously, like the guy has just told him that, um, you know, the world's coming to an end on December 30th, and that is going to be a hell of a match in two weeks. I'm very excited for it. I mean, of course, this was supposed to take place, uh, yeah, in that tournament. Um could have been a great opening round match, but I think it's an even better main event being put in that slot with the the kind of like you know um, extravagance of a of a title attached to it. So um, uh, it's it's a big big match to promote on your TV show to me. Makes complete sense, you know, from the tournament when he was hurt and Penta had to replace him. That you put this in, this will be a big match on TV. I think this will be. I don't know if it, if this is going to be, you know, it's not going to be the, the Moxley level of significance, no. but I think this is going to be come two weeks from now with like a solid week of promotion next week. I think that this will be a pretty anticipated match. In that time, like at least what, they only have really one week, but I hope they have like a lot in store for Phoenix to be able to, you know, convey more about the the man's background, his personality, his story leading up to this. Maybe give me some a road to if you can, you know, if you have the time to do that. Like these are great opportunities to tell us something about these guys that we really haven't had enough from. So I thought tonight's dynamite. Um, I I still thought the show it it, it moved very quick. I thought there was they some, always move and, quick. If anything, like that's you know. Well, I'm I'm gonna point it out when there's other shows that drag me to a halt throughout mm-hmm. the three hours. So. I'll t- but I, I will say that like this is a very busy show. Like there is yeah. a lot that they are putting into these two hours. Getting to the point now where like I think you're even starting to hear some backlash to like how much is going on on these shows. Um, if the alternative is like you know what you get on a three hour Monday, then yeah, I much prefer to take this. Like give me the ex- the the explosion from the this dynamite uh, any day. Then I suppose the um what's the opposite of an explosion. Like a slow, like a drip from a faucet. Yes, that would be the opposite of an explosion. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, a fast-moving show. I'm, I, I can't say like every segment really. You know, several segments maybe didn't land land for me. Same, same with some some of these matches. So to me, a lower quality dynamite than than previous weeks. But um, I'm excited yeah. for some of the future directions. In terms of like riding this wave of momentum, uh, demo figure last week was a point four five. I I don't think anyone's expecting a point four five. I don't know if you can necessarily expect a point four. Uh, where where do you envision uh, AEW finishing tomorrow? I'm so bad at guessing, honestly. Like I I'm going to say um, maybe high, I'm going to say high threes. Yeah, I'll agree with you. I I'm pretty optimistic about just this. Sh- feeling like a hot show right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they'll hit a point four, but I'm gonna I'm gonna guess that they will. All right. No one put and money if they on do, it? that's that's a really great uh accomplishment if they do. If they if they can top uh I don't know if they'll top raw from, from Monday, but that will be um it's gonna be close. I think it will be close. Let's look at the forum before we get out of here. Tonight's show gets a seven point five from our forum and we'll uh Go through these questions quickly. Uh, Adam from the street. The Acclaims gimmick died a giant death tonight. SCU did it better. 
Uh, back when Sting came into WWE, was there any thought or conversation of bringing in Tony Schiavone? Vince might not have thought so, but just his voice adds so much to the presentation of Brother Nate Milton's favorite sports entertainer. Uh, no, like that's they're not bringing one commentator just for no, one guy. They don't think like that, and and I, I can't even fault them that you would make a whole hiring just for the call. But they don't have any Vince McMahon, for, like, especially like there is no there is no WCW nostalgia in Vince McMahon at all, at all for a, a, an idea like that. And I think if if anything, it would be an idea pitched to him that I think would be not even given a thought. We got to Anthony who says. Bitch sure got a, a lot of love on tonight's show, it seems. The addiction is better than the acclaimed. They are all right in the ring, but that rap was straight cringe. The twelve, the 14 two-man tag was great. Sammy Guevara was clearly the long-term project AEW sees, and it shows. It ain't drinking... I ain't drinking any Florida water, but still, congrats to the, to the American father and mother for another addition to the Nightmare family. Noah from Vaughn. Fun show tonight. Uh, all right. This is, uh, I'm just skimming through. I love the opener with the good, the bad, and the hungy. Super, super looking forward to seeing more of those three together. Main event made Kenny come off like such a big time star. And the announcement of Phoenix Omega is not only logical because Phoenix never lost, but should be fantastic. Tomorrow should be very interesting if AEW can somehow pull in similar numbers to the last couple of weeks for tonight's show, which by and large was a fairly standard episode, then that will definitely be a good sign for them going into the new year as they cap their best month since October of 2019. Eight out of ten show tonight. Andrew from Cape Breton says, Impact Wrestling likes to say they're hard to kill, but Tony Schiavone is doing his hardest to try. Yeah, Tony had some, um, well, continues to have like some pretty like savage lines. Week two of this is interesting as it seems like a little one-sided with the comments. Maybe Scott Demore and Petey Williams could come in with a paid advertisement and talk about how everyone is using Petey's finish but kicking out because PD did it best. Something to make the rivalry less one-sided. Oh, yeah, that would be a zinger. <laughs> I just, you know, I, I agree that I think, like, Impact needs to maybe fire some shots while on AEW's time, too. Maybe, maybe even on their own time. Like... Because you're not hearing that much of a response, really, even from Impact. But um, I, I think you do you do want to convey like a realism to it as well. Like I'm not saying Impact should like be they can't afford to pay for TNT airtime. <laughs> no, it's like it's not even that. It's just that I mean, like in this, like the story is that one is so above the other that Impact almost doesn't come across credible. Like what what are then they? Why should I care about this feud if it's not going to be competitive? Well, I think I think that there is definitely a promo to to do, but if it's just something as like firing shots at AEW, I, I like I think you have to do it in a more like thought out way of you know if it's just being you know standing up for yourselves, that's one thing. Um, if it's just like like how are they going to insult AEW? You know, with with a quick thirty second promo on AEW's TV, like, huh? Look at this TNT. You only <laughs> got forty five million. We bought a network. <laughs> Like, I don't know. What my, my, my concern is that it's, does this rivalry really exist outside of Impact Wrestling on Tuesdays? Not right now, it doesn't, no. Right. And that, to me, is that, is that the detriment of, like, the entire thing. You know, I think AEW would benefit from having involvement from Impact on their show um, in the form of, you know, something like this. So, But, like, if anything, like, 
Impact has been the beneficiary so oh, far. Oh, for sure. So it's but, like, yeah, it's they, like they are the doormat benefit. of the storyline, but I mean, they are the ones reaping the benefits of this. Oh, yeah. It's like AEW is not really thus far um, doing anything in return. Although I, I think, like, again, we're only like a few weeks into this that yeah. you can build to something. I, I certainly think, like, even though there are best of shows coming up, like, they should shoot something, you know, some wraparound stuff. Like, stay yep. tuned to the entire show. Like, going to commercial break, have slight appearance. Like, have somebody hijack. Man, have the fucking Dark Order hijack that show. Do and, you like, sit down with, with Scott Demore to talk about this? Yes. Or do, like, and as well, like, they are positioning Scott Demore as more on the side of, like, this is, this is great for us on, on TV. They're starting to do more of the Twitter stuff now where he's kind of defending the company and taking his shots. But it's um, – yeah, like I, I think you could put in something. It doesn't have to be new matches. It's just uh, an interview. Put in something that would at least drive you that's centered around this angle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Is it me? you? Or, uh, I'll yeah. go. I'll go. Kate. Kate from Montreal says, when I heard about Janela getting a title shot because he missed his tournament match, my first thought was, what about Phoenix? So the ending left me feeling satisfied. Great to see Thunder Rosa again, and it does finally feel like the women's division is gaining a bit of momentum, especially factoring in the matches on Dark lately. In 20 years, who thinks they're getting Baby Moxley versus Baby Rhodes for the AEW title? Who is... Uh, How, well, why in 20 years? Why not, why not do it in five years, okay? Yeah, they'll get fast, they, they could get fast-tracked. They could be there a lot uh, a lot earlier. Uh, Paul from New Jersey, I don't know why this company even bothers having referees. Thought it made your young guys look stupid, having five of them cower to a 61-year-old man with a baseball bat. No Sheeta tonight yet again. I really don't see the difference between this company and WWE sometimes. I mean, a baseball bat is like five guys, okay? Steel chair is like maybe two people. But a baseball bat, that's like five. That's as good as five people. You, you go run at a guy with a baseball bat. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't care how many people you have. Uh, Matt, or sorry, MJ, who is not from North Carolina. But seriously, when normal audiences are your thing again, saying North Carolina for Kenny's entrance is going to be so over. AEW feels like a show where the tide has risen and everything feels elevated. Watched on delay and texted fellow patron John Pine how every segment was not really something I wanted to skip. And the matches are quality and feature new and fresh talent and guys I like. They're hitting on so many cylinders. Sure, I can nitpick, and basically, JR is unlistenable for me at this point, but what I love is that everything seems to have fairly solid logic and reasoning, and there's so much you can foreshadow. For example, you knew with them doing this Joey match, it would make sense to do the Phoenix match. It will also make sense to do a pack match after they had a great early 2020 Iron Man. It's all stuff I'm down to watch because, again, the wrestling is great for free TV. Jesse from Montreal. He says, the best thing about an outdoor show show in cool temperatures is the steam that emanates off the wrestlers' bodies, making them look like Norse gods. Very cool. What wasn't cool was all the people talking over each other during the main event while Joey Janela looks weak. And what does Impact gain from babyface commentator Tony Schiavone dumping on them on TNT? I guess we can assume they're not building to a mixed tag now. So what's the end game for Cody and Shaq? A singles match. Um, We'll see. We'll see if we ever get to that. You could still do a mixed tag if you want, or just a tag team match. You know, who's to, who's to say it even has to be mixed? Uh, they can pivot if if they really need to. It's and, all down to if, if if Shaq is willing to do a match, he'll make it work. If he's yeah. 
lukewarm to it, then you know it could just fall by the wayside. But I mean, they're they'll, they'll find a way if he's willing to do it. They'll they'll work around it. It's not too difficult. Uh, and what does Impact gain from babyface commentator Tony Schiavone dumping on them on TNT? Um, relevance, you know. Uh, but again, like, yeah, it, it can't be just a one-sided thing, you know. At some point, Impact should should really respond in in their own way and make this, you know, an actual com- competition. Uh, we got a Steve from BC who says, "My only complaints tonight would be the use of Sting. I think it's finally time he cuts a promo explaining what his intentions are. Having him just come out to stare everyone down again didn't do anything to, for me." I mean, last week he he said he has his sights set on Darby, but didn't really say a whole lot. Maybe this week should have been that week where he, you know, further explained. Yeah, and I we we said that. I think that the next one, I, I think the next thing we we should do like an interview with Sting or something. Like, why mm-hmm. is he here in AEW? Do like your sit down Jim Ross and Sting sit down interview. I think you could promote that, and I think that would be really that would be very interesting. He says, maybe I missed it, but was there any mention of Omega reuniting with the Good Brothers on Impact? No. No, nope. there was not. Nope. They uh, didn't mention that. They didn't mention Hard to Kill. It was like that. That's all operating within Impact's world. Yeah, I'm disappointed to see that because I think we wanted, at least as fans, you know, when you talk about a crossover, this kind of all encompassing, everybody is talking about the big events of the week. We're not ignoring anything that, that happened somewhere else. Like for an event like as big as, you know, a Bullet Club reunion to take place on another show, I. I think it at least worth it was worth mentioning from from somebody, but uh, maybe they have different uh, opinions. So, all right, thank you everybody for the feedback tonight and checking out this edition of Rewind to Dynamite. Uh, we've got many shows coming your way, so you can go check the schedule for that, including the British Wrestling Experience that will drop. Or sorry, Bushby and Thompson's Wrestling Adventure dropping on the British Wrestling Experience feed on Thursday. So uh, check all of that out and. Uh, we can, we can watch uh, the world come to a pause Thursday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, Give or take. The world come to a pause. Well, what? That's when, when our favorite numbers are going to be oh. coming out on Thursday. Yes, yes, yes. Wow. Okay. Exciting Fair. stuff. All right. Well, there we go. We'll be back Friday night. Rewind to SmackDown. We'll look ahead to the TLC pay-per-view and whatever goes down on SmackDown. So, Way, thank you as always. A fun time. Yeah, thank you, John. Thank you um, to everybody who's downloaded the show and has listened. Uh, follow us. We, you know, we never do this, eh? Like we never tell people to follow us or like you know where to go. But if you are curious, if you'd like to follow everything that we do, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. We're all at Post Wrestling. P O S T W R E S T L I N G. Perfect. I want every single person listening to this to go follow us on every single one of those platforms. Uh, Do it now, and that is all. Good night.